Welcome back to another episode of the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. I'm your host, Andreas, and guys, what a beautiful way to go into a weekend. We took care of business early on Friday. And Sam, how did that make you know, how did it make you feel going into a weekend securing those three points so early? Oh, well, it made Saturday that much enjoyable because I, you know, it it, it just was like, okay, I'm watching all of these matches. I, I, I woke up at like, what, 6.58 our local time and, you know, all those morning matches on the Saturday kick off at 7. And I went to the bathroom and by the time I got up, Arsenal was down 1-0, United was down 2-0. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, this is going to be amazing. And like, I, I we've already won. So I can talk as much shit as I want to and say, hey, <laughs> we bought, we beat the monsters at of Luton. So, you know, you can't really say anything about us, but I can talk shit about you. Um, but yeah, I mean, what a, it it was it should have what should have been such an expected easy win was really stressful until we scored our last two goals so typical um, typical chelsea but hey you mentioned saturday you forgot to mention the fact that we virtually enjoyed the premier league together yeah all saturday morning you me and our, our friend amir and our friend nick and there's a huge omission in this and it's our co-host zach who didn't want to wake up and hang out with us so zach how was oh, your yeah. weekend I was fast asleep. I enjoyed my rest. My weekend was good, though. Um, it's the first time in a long time where Chelsea didn't stress me out or ruin my Saturday and Sunday. Um, so that was always nice. And then, you know, it's been a long time coming uh, in terms of us witnessing a 3-0 home win, a dominant home win, nonetheless. So, first win at the bridge since March. See, and this is what, this is what gets me. A lot of people are clowning us uh, that are fans of other teams for celebrating a win against probably the worst team in the Premier League. Let's be honest, Luton is the worst team in the Premier League. Probably the worst team in Premier League history, maybe? Yeah, I was going to mention that. I mean, I don't recognize any Premier League genuine, like, top-level Premier League talent in their side. And that's... The Adebayo guy was, like, for the big-ass forward. Yeah, I mean, the guy that... Yeah, but... I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> but that was pretty much it. But a lot of a lot of fans of other teams were giving us shit for celebrating a win against Luton. But you have to look at things in context. Like we haven't won a home match since what did you say, Sam? Was it March or May? May I think March, right? March. Or, March. Yeah, it might have been May, but I think it was March. No, the yeah. home game is March. Yeah. Yeah. So since March, and if you look at our records since then, it's not just terrible for a top four or top half of a Premier League uh, level side. It's terrible for even a bottom half side. So we deserve this win. We, and we also deserve to celebrate it. So I'm treating it as if it's a, as if it's a big win because it is, it's, we snapped ourselves out of our rut. And, and to add to the context, we had 10 players out report like for injuries, 10. So people can laugh all they want, but three nil pretty conclusive. 
we'll get back to the game though. I kind of want to just run through this week's transfer news. Uh, starting with the big one, Lukaku is finally gone. Jose Mourinho, proper Chelsea, taking Lukaku on loan. And there's a lot of crazy shit surrounding the Lukaku deal. He, they're covering his salary, 7.5 million euros. Uh, it includes a 5 million loan fee. And Matt Law dropped the, the detail that he's dropping his wages for this year at Roma and for the two years remaining of his Chelsea contract. And so he's reduced salary, finally. But Chelsea have also added a 37 million pound release clause to his contract just in case he does well at Roma this season. So real quick, Sam, what, what do you think of this? I, I personally think this is the best of the worst. Like if, out of the bad situations, like we didn't sell him, but this is probably best case scenario. I'm just bummed for Sadar Asmun, the new striker that Roma signed. Um, from Leverkusen, obviously a uh, Iranian's Iranian striker. Uh, I thought he was going to get a, a shot to play there, but hopefully he benches Lukaku. That would be that would be the ultimate like enjoyment for me. And then also Taremi maybe joining Milan, so we're gonna have two uh, Iranian strikers playing in Syria. I'm a fan of that. Zach, did you? Sure. Uh, should we call it Siri Shah? <laughs> yeah, so I'm not Persian, so I totally missed this joke. They're loving it. The Shah is like the king of Iran. So good. How did you think of that so fast? I don't know. It just kind of came to my head. Wow. Just being an idiot. And I'm not even drinking this pod, which is interesting enough. Oh, it's a first. Um, yeah, it is a first. Um, no, I won. mean. Sam, contrary, contrary to what you hope, I hope Lukaku gets a starting job there because that means that they'll trigger the purchase option. Um, I, I want this guy off of our books at the end of these 10 months. And, and that's another interesting thing to point out. It is We did shoot ourselves in the foot in that sense. Um, because we waited so long to get a deal done, we did have to eat two more months of paying Lukaku. So that's why this deal is only 10 months long. He'll come back next June. Um, but no, 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 I, I don't also, say that. <laughs> well, if they don't buy him, well, yeah, well, just to clarify, it, it, somebody also, else can buy him. By the, the way, like it's not million? just Roma. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a release I, clause. It's not a. It's not a option. It's not an obligation. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, an yeah. option for it's. I'm, just, I'm saying it's not just for Roma. That mm -hmm. option or that release clause is for all teams. That that basically sets the market for what he would be. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, exactly. I mean, the one the one I feel bad for, and I know he's injured for a while, is Tammy Lukaku replaced him twice. In his career so far, and he's only like 24. <laughs> Is he out? Yeah, but I mean, yeah, he's out most of the year. He tore his, yeah. I believe, his ACL like the last week of the season. Yeah, for Roma, like leading up to their Europa League final, I believe he got hurt. And but he um, half decent there too. It's unfortunate. He was doing good. He wow. they love him over there. Like Tammy's a fan favorite. Uh, the thing with all this that we haven't even added is that Lukaku wants to make the Euro squad for Belgium. So. <laughs> Hey, who he is a starting will. nine for Belgium? Yeah, he, like yeah, this is will. his chance to like re reinvigorate the you know the what's not the dusk the dawn of his career like the back end whatever. Yeah, I mean you got what Divock Origi, you got trash um, Michi Batshuayi. <laughs> trash. <laughs> that's uh that's who I can think of. I don't know anyone yeah. else. 
So, I mean, I, I think overall this could be a good thing. I, I love the fact that we finally lowered his wages, whether he's here or there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, one step closer to him being out of Chelsea for good. All right, enough of Lukaku. Let's yeah, never talk forward. about him again the rest of the season. So Bayern have, have now formally approached Chelsea to start talks over Trevor Chalaba. Uh, this coming after the fact that Inter, I believe, is almost done with the Benjamin Pavard uh, deal. And Bayern will only greenlight that deal if they get a replacement. Tuchel has apparently contacted Trevor Chalaba today. I honestly am pretty surprised about this because Tuchel was also the one that randomly benched Chalaba. But hey, if it works, it works. That's another pure profit move. I believe it's we're, we're pushing for something above the 35 million mark. Good money. Uh, yesterday, it was reported by basically the usual means that Chelsea's business was going to be now looking for an attacker. It was going to be a secret and Chelsea was going to work in the shadows. And then I wake up today to links to Emil Smith-Rowe, Rafinha, and Ferran Torres. So hopefully all this is noise because I thought we were going to work in the shadows. Uh, I do think yeah. that... <laughs> what changed? It was like yeah. 12 hours until the all of our secrets came up. <laughs> yeah, so much for, for being secretive. I'm hoping this is all, like I said, noise because Smith Rowe... If, if we're linked to him, he's going to get just as many minutes or lack thereof if he comes here. Rafinha, he can play just the wing, and apparently Poch wants somebody that can play across the front line. And then Ferran Torres. Uh, my cousin is a huge Barcelona fan, and this guy absolutely hates Ferran Torres. So I get that he can play across the front line, did it at City, does it at Barcelona, but... He had a big transfer. I don't know what his wages are at. That kind of scares me. And then the one that kind of interested us, uh, Ryan Cherky, Fabrizio came out and said that there's never been anything going on. He straight up said, it's quiet. There, He's like, if something happens, Chelsea fans, I'll let you know. But there's been absolutely nothing. So for anyone hoping he was going to come in and be our Algerian, French hazard, whatever you want to call him, it ain't him. Um. We Wait, did finally. Can we, Go can ahead. We, uh, sorry, can we just add to the fact that Ferran Torres, he's averaging 5.63 goals per 90 this season. He has two <laughs> goals in however many minutes. 30 plus that minutes. Yeah. It's 16 minutes between each goal, 100% goal conversion rate, 100% shot accuracy. Like, those are elite numbers. I don't know why we haven't bought him for 150 already. <laughs> those are those are Michi Batshuayi off the bench during Conte season numbers. <laughs> yep. And those that's, are Michi that's, Batshuayi that's off what the you bench might... appearances, like those garbage minutes against tired legs. <laughs> hey, if, if that's his niche, man, like he can be the Jamal Crawford of, of mm -hmm. Barcelona this season. But hey, we did make a signing since our last pod. We finally got uh, George... I'm going to butcher this. I'm saying it's George Petrovic. New England Revolution goalkeeper uh, through the door, 12.5 million pounds with 1.5 million pounds in bonuses, 23-year-old keeper, and he's expected to compete with Sanchez for his first choice. Uh, one of the, the big vocal Chelsea fans on Twitter, uh, Chicago Dimitri, if you guys don't follow him, he's this big stats guy. He has like a like an AI that he created that does the – the typical radar bubbles you see all the time with statistics, and it makes that little, pretty little pie chart sort of thing. A bomb? He, yeah, kind of like that. 
His his app's called the McClack McClacklin. It's really hard to say. It's like McClacklin app. But the guy drops like a twelve tweet thread explaining how statistically speaking, this guy is just like a save monster. Like he overperforms uh like blocks against high XG shots and and depending on on the XG, like whether it's like a 0.5 shot versus a 0.3 shot, like the dude's always getting more blocks per goal in all these statistics. He mentioned mm-hmm. that footwork wise, it's not that he can't do it or or can't grow into it. It's that they just don't ask him to. The guy's apparently been the keeper for the MLS for a bit. So the way he explained it is that this guy could be our keeper for now while Gaga Slonina gets his footing in the next four years. So it's high praise. This like again, I followed this Chicago Dimitri guy, and he's usually a major hater and and most guys that we're linked to. So, is he a Chelsea fan or he tweets like just generally about No 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 no. He's a he's a big Chelsea fan. Okay. Like like he he tweets about a lot of players. Like if anybody ever asks him to drop the stat bomb thing, like of, of rumored guys, and this is the one of the first times that I've seen him be completely just positive on this guy. Oh, okay. Okay. So there's no there's no bias if if he's talking shit about everyone else. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you're being sarcastic or not. No, I mean, I'm, could. No, I'm ser- no, I'm just being serious. Like if I would say he's biased if he brings up like and cherry picks like the best stats for every player that we're targeted with, but if most of the time no, no, he's no. bringing he's he's saying bad things about players and in this case he's saying something good, you know it's not like his bias. Yeah. I agree that's with that's that. What I was, that's what I was worried about. Gotcha, Zach. Yeah, I, I, um, I don't. I'm not going to act like I'm, a, I'm an expert on the guy or anything. But I, um, when LAFC played the Revolution, I mean, they beat them four nil. It was pretty much a peppering. But I remember Petrovic made some fucking ridiculous saves in that game, and I'm talking point blank, you know, um, quick leg saves, and also uh, a really nice free kick save. If I, if I thinking of the correct game, um. Buanga had a really nice free kick that he saved and it went off the post, but nonetheless, I mean, or what? what was that? He kept a clean sheet. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> did not. They put four past them, but I mean, LAFC Whoa. was just so much better than them on the day and they're pretty crap anyways. But um, I did want to point out something interesting that like the complete uh, you know, difference in transfer strategy in terms of the profile of keeper that we're going after compared to the days of Keppa. Um, you know, now we went after two physically imposing keepers who are very aggressive uh in commanding their box aerially and especially on set pieces. Um so that's something that, you know, it's 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 pretty refreshing to see here. Um, you know, going back to the days of dare I say Thibaut Courtois, where, you know, we just have a huge man in goal who's just an elite shop stopper. Um but uh, also what I've seen with Petrovic too is that he's not He's not that bad with his feet. Now, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, that's not how the revolution play. And oh, he's not that great with his feet. Nobody in MLS builds out of the back. I mean, I know it sounds kind of harsh and some people might disagree with me, but watch yourself an MLS game and count how many attacks come to fruition that start with the goalkeeper. Um, it's it's very rare. It, it's not it's it's more likened to the Bundesliga style where it, it's, you know, shuttling up and down the pitch and very high pace. Um, so. I'm not really buying that criticism of him, and that's really the only criticism I've seen. But other than that, I mean, just based on the one game I remember watching him play, I mean, he does look like a pretty decent goalkeeper. He's obviously not the finished product. 
and, and a half we, a fair price for a for a, a competitive first team goalkeeper in today's market. I mean, he'll be a huge bargain if he benches Robert Sanchez by end of the season, and we'll see what if happens. Be- we'll see if he benches Robert Sanchez. I mean, he'll immediately become a thirty forty million pound goalkeeper one season. Yeah, we'll yeah. we'll see what happens. Maybe we'll see him midweek against Wimbledon. But now onto some loan news. Uh, Chelsea loaned Andre Santos to Forest. Um, I, for a second, thought that there might be a chance he played against Luton. And then I woke up on Friday to those news. Uh, this also has a domino effect because Chelsea were interested in Leon winger Bradley Barcola, who, that uh, you know, Leon actually said deals off because they wanted Andre Santos on loan. So no more Barcola rumors. I personally am not a big fan of this loan especially because they just signed Yusuf Fofana who is a box-to-box mid and on top of that they've also signed or they're about to sign maybe just got the here we go for Ndidi so to me he went from one crowded midfield to the next I hope his talent is appreciated and maybe he breaks through but it's always hard to break into a team that's usually fighting relegation so we'll see I'm that's this is this is the same reason why I preferred the Cesare Casade loan going to a t- strong championship side. So, any anything to add to that, Sam? Yeah, I mean the other bad thing I would say about the loan, and I don't know. I mean, I think we kind of all expected him to get loaned out, but you know it, that's our last loan spot. If we if you know we got Lukaku, we the potential of Kukurea going out to. Man United, we're going to be out of loan spots for yep. David Washington, who we just brought in. So, and, and um, Leslie Ugochukwu as well. Um, yeah, so, I mean, but he, he's been playing for us, so it doesn't seem like he doesn't he look is. half bad. Honestly, Ugochukwu, I know he, mm-hmm. I know he's getting garbage minutes, but I it's mean, a hype yeah. thing for me. I think it, it, the, the main reason is this dude is massive, and, and yeah. he, he gets the the cleanup minutes. You know, I think we'll probably see him a lot midweek, but. Yeah, it, like you said, Sam, this kind of complicates the, the, the model of the whole multi-club system where David Washington was supposed to be an immediate shoe-in at Strasbourg. But hey, sometimes you have to make the tough decisions. We, we tried our best to move Lukaku on a permanent. We literally told anyone and everyone who's interested in Kukurea you can buy him. But it is what it is, and, and you... Bringing up Kukurea, we didn't really discuss it. He is a target, a potential target to cover left back for Man United, who have Luke Shaw out for a long time, and Malasia, their backup, is also out for a long time. So they had to play Diogo Dallo as a as a makeshift left back last weekend. And if you live under a rock, they almost lost to Nottingham Forest. So, or not Nottingham Forest? Was it Nottingham Forest? Yeah, yeah, they no. almost lost in yeah, the. And the refs, the refs sort of uh, bailed them out per usual. Yeah. But now, enough about the other teams. Chelsea, three. Luton Town, nil. And we'll start with our lineup. Chelsea lined up with uh, Robert Sanchez in goal. Uh, DeSassi, Thiago, and Colwell in defense. Malo Gusto and Ben Chilwell at wingback. A midfield three of Gallagher, Caicedo, and Enzo. And a front two of Sterling and Jacks and uh, Nico Jackson. No Mudrick in the in the team because of a minor injury. Potts said it might be a couple of days. And I just want to real quick start by saying that Potts can tell me every single day of the week that this is a back four. 
but I officially say it's complete nutter bullshit because not once did I see us in a back four ever. The heat map confirms it is not a back four with Malo Gusto and Gilwell, the clear wide players completely covering the sidelines. It's not just Chilwell playing left wing per se. So guys, besides that, what did you guys think of the lineup? Expected? Uh, With Mudrick out, I wasn't too surprised that we reverted to that back three. I mean, it is a back three. Let's just be very, very clear here. Um, I would have liked to see a more attacking lineup. I mean, if it was me, I would have, I would have really thought I really thought that Pochettino was going to go into this game licking his lips saying, okay, this is the perfect opportunity to try the 4-2-3-1 and, you know, really get Caicedo the full 90, get him feeling more comfortable and confident, and then maybe even get Madueke or an Ian Matson out there to uh, to fill in the extra attacker role. Because, you know, if, if Noni's healthy, he's a hell of a player. I mean, he was arguably our best signing last year. I mean, just based on having an immediate impact in the team. He was like our uh, one of the best out of our young signings. So it's kind of surprising he hasn't gotten a look in just yet. You know, the Mujic injury is obviously a little bit concerning because we don't necessarily know what it is or how long he's going to be out. All we know is that it's a, quote, minor injury. Um, he's in a few days. It was just preventive, yeah. apparently. He's supposed to be back. Oh, okay. So if he's weekend. back by the weekend, then... The, then maybe maybe Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, overall, it wasn't too surprising that the lineup didn't change. Pochettino, historically, has usually stuck to stuck to his guns and doesn't really rotate his teams much until the December, January period anyways. So I expect to see a similar team like this as long as we continue to have injuries. To me, I think it was a missed opportunity to play Ian Motson as left wing in a back four. Like I, I would have started um, Motson in place of Desasi. So take take out that third center back and you know have Chilo and Malagusto play traditional left back right back roles then you know Sterling Nico Jackson and Matson in the front then with you know Gallagher Caicedo um and Enzo like that that sounds like an awesome 11 and and I feel like against Luton because we we saw it we saw in the preseason it looked great, and I thought against a team like Luton, it was a great opportunity to try it again because we're going to be without another. Uh, I mean, I don't know how long Mudrik will be out. You guys just mentioned that, but um, I don't know. Is anything Even, to get Chilwell out of that left wing spot? Perfect like, time to, to discuss that because I thought he was. Again, I think we had a clean sweep saying that he might chill. We propped Chilwell to be our player of the season potentially, based mm-hmm. on what we saw in preseason, which was they the bombing left back rule. The guy coming in late and he scored a few goals in the preseason. It was beautiful, but then you have him sort of shackled in in this left wing spot. And I'll run through his stats real quick. He was seventy three percent pass completion, four chances created, zero dribbles completed. Two of four crosses, two of uh, five ground duels won. That awful, awful choice he made where he found himself finally getting into the box. Can see the fear in the goalkeeper's eyes with inside the box at this point around the penalty spot and decides to try to play Sterling in on a sideways pass that goes at the defender. I mean, 
it it is so frustrating to to discuss to, to just kind of go into this because yes, he is good at getting in the box and yes, he usually shoots well. But to me, I think the change in expectation when you tell a player, "Hey, you're a defender that can help out and be a bonus attacker. You are the the sort of added bonus in attack versus hey, you are the attacker and you are expected to assist or score. And I think that is a totally different mindset. I think you are asking Chilwell to do things he is not good at, which is the the quick dribbling, the quick one-two passes, which miss and miss and miss with Nico Jackson, except for the one time he got through and then messed it up. I think you are messing with, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You're breaking it. You're currently breaking it with what Chilwell is supposed to be great at. And and it sucks because, like you guys said, this was a chance to have Chilwell and a left winger eat. Completely just destroy the left-hand side of Luton's defense. So that's where I'm at. I don't know if you guys have anything to add or, or anything else that you saw, Zach. Yeah, I mean, people are going to use the, oh, well, he was playing wing back. He wasn't playing out, not winger. And to those people, I urge you to just look at the heat maps. Chilwell was our third closest or the second closest player to Nico Jackson um, on average. I mean, only Raheem Sterling was positioned higher than him. And at some points in the match, you can actually see Chilwell almost playing directly underneath Nico in a sense. So it's not necessarily that he's playing a wing back position. He's just straight up playing a left wing. And if you notice, Colwell. Um, you know, he pops out to the left-hand side and covers that ground. Pochettino doesn't really have much of an emphasis on Chilwell to come back and, you know, track back. So, in essence, he is an out-and-out winger. And Andres, like, you know, I, I don't think it's, I don't think he's incapable of playing this role. I really don't. You know, I think he's one of the best attacking fullbacks in world football. Technically, he's brilliant. You know, he's great at striking a ball. He's great at timing his runs. But I just think we're doing him a disservice if we're not allowing him to play his natural role because what makes Chilwell so great and such an asset um, when we are in possession is his late runs. And if you're positioning him this high up the pitch, you're completely eliminating the late runs into the box from Chilwell, who's so good at, you know, just popping up and right around the penalty area or the top of the 18 at the right time. And, you know, because he's positioned so high, he doesn't really have the opportunity to do that much. And I do think, you know, Pochettino's doing this in a way because, yes, if you look at it on paper, Chilwell is probably one of our better attacking players who's healthy right now because the rest of our attack is basically injured. <laughs> so it makes sense why Pochettino's using him as an attacking player for now. But, I mean, I, I was just thinking to myself during the game, imagine if we had a healthy Reese James. I would rather have Reese James play that sort of Chilwell role and tuck into the midfield and become like that extra attacker because Reese seems to me like he's a little bit more well-rounded in terms of he can get out of trouble with his dribbling passing and he could shoot the ball. Chilwell really can't dribble. All he can really do is pass and shoot. And for Ooh. that, I think he should be playing wing back. He's extremely spatially aware. That's the thing that yeah. makes him great. He makes mm -hmm. the run without the ball and gets it. But but the thing that I wanted to ask you some is what does this tell our actual attackers when a fullback is being chosen over them? Nah, I mean, it's it's not anything they don't already know, Andreas. I I, I think <laughs> I mentioned the stat like I forget what the numbers were, but out of like 
all the play out of all the attackers that played in our last match, like they've scored like I don't know, like fourteen goals combined <laughs> Total. last year. Yeah. So um, it's it's not. I mean, and these guys they they remember what happened last season. We struggled to score, and it's not like too much change. Like the only new new player in that front line that we're talking about right now is Nico Jackson. And, you know, he's playing striker, so it's not really like Chilwell is replacing him, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I I don't think it which should be a surprise to any player on this team, to be honest. I think the, I think what's frustrating for, with all of us is the fact that we haven't played the real like the true four two three one that we all know we're gonna play, or even a variation of a four three three. Like we've already saw yeah. the three, we saw the three-man midfield in this game, um, but we haven't seen the four-man backline with natural fullbacks. Um, and and to me, it's not necessarily a concern because I trust that Poch is going to you know use it when he sees fit. Obviously, but you want the team to get familiar with it sooner than later, right? I mean, that th- that that's my big conundrum with all of this is. We played the worst team in the league. This is just the perfect opportunity to get your play your system and if it doesn't work you can always revert to this funky ass three five two you know in the second half yeah i i think at this point we won't see a four two three one until after the international break that's my guess i think this is just uh we need to get the results now because the preseason is a short time and maybe after international break is when okay maybe we've settled down and and not have any new injuries we know who we have it's after the transfer windows closed and it can be kind of like okay you guys understand what i want to do caicedo lavia there if they've been here they understand what i want you to do now i can trust that we have a true dm blocking my back line but enough about the defense enough about the chillwell conundrum because now we have a new conundrum and that is do we need to start a raheem sterling apology tour because the man has now given us back-to-back performances. Last week, we said he kept missing. This week, he got himself a brace and an assist. Um, I mean, his statistics were also very nice. 32 out of 36 passes, uh, 3 out of 4 shots on target, uh, 40% dribbles completed. I mean, he was kind of everywhere in the attack. There was a bit of a lull in the 90 minutes after he scored the first goal. But when you put it all together, I mean, it was a pretty complete performance. And, and some of our listeners agree. It's human capital department said Starlet. I think he's giving us a, a bit of a little bit of grief here because he said Sterling's diet is working. We've been talking about how his diet is all he kept talking about, but it's working. And Black Emoji wants to know if you guys agree. Is this a Raheem renaissance? Uh, haven't we been through this already? Like, not exactly with him but i just remember kai havertz so many times (laughs) he would have a two-game stretch where he looks amazing and you think okay finally he's put it together we know what he has he finally realized it this is it this is finally the kai havertz we're gonna get and then he goes back into his old habits you know it's four or five matches in a row where He's disappointing. Yeah. I 
am permanently scarred by that by <laughs> by our uh, tenure with Kai Havertz. So, and I said this from after last episode. I said, I think we talked. We had this a very similar discussion. Like, oh, one good match is this possibly the sign of something new? And I said, like, it's very possible. I would not be surprised if this is like the beginning of of Raheem Sterling, you know, getting back into form and he's going to have a good mm-hmm. season. But I just like need I need to see it. I'm not okay. that I'm not hopping onto that apology tour just yet. It's it's there's still a lot that he needs to prove. And and uh, Zach, I wanted to ask you. Economics brings up a good point. Is is it a coincidence that Sterling is now performing because we have a proper striker beside him occupying defenders? Like, is is it is it a Sterling thing, or is it the fact that the the guy next to him is actually helping him do what he does best? It's a, it's a Sterling thing. I mean, he operated. He scored tons of goals at City without a natural striker in their side. Fair. Um, you know, I and 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 to play devil's advocate to your to your point, Sam, I I think um I think the comparison with Kai is a little bit unfair because you, when you're talking about Kai, he was an unproven Premier League player, right? You're talking about somebody that was a little bit younger or a lot a bit younger who <laughs> had yet to fulfill the potential. And with and with Raheem Sterling, we know what he's capable of. I mean, we saw him score twenty plus goals in what more? What was it? Two or three seasons with City. Yeah, something like over, that. Yeah, he has a hundred twenty. Like, yeah, I mean, he, he's one of the he's one of the best goal sc- English goal scorers in this generation. And even though sometimes nice. it seems like he can't hit a cow's ass with a banjo, he puts him in. I mean, the record speaks for itself. I think I think with with Sterling though, I'm a little wary to say that we have to issue an apology. I'm going to maintain my. Same statement I've been saying about him since we signed him. I need to see it for a run of matches, and not just two or three. I think five, six, seven matches on the spin where he doesn't necessarily have to score every time, but he has to have an effect on the game um, in some sort of way. He has to look dangerous. Um, so for me, I'm going to withhold my uh, you know criticism of him. I think he deserves praise after this performance, obviously. But let's also not forget that there were stretches in this performance where he was god-awful too. So he still has a lot of work to go in terms of putting together a complete 90 minutes. The same thing with West Ham. He was brilliant in the first half and disappeared in the second. So we do need to see a full 90 from Sterling where he is just absolutely flying. Um, But it's great to see him score two beautiful goals. The first one, we haven't had a player score a goal like that since Hazard. Um, I mean, the last goal maybe that you can compare it to was Pulisic versus Liverpool, where he dribbled a couple players. But um, overall, it was it, it was positive. And you know, he was he spoke after the match, and I think the big difference for him, Andres, to kind of bounce off the jo- the Johnonomics uh, quote here is, it's not necessarily the striker that's making the difference. I think it's Pochettino. And when you hear the way Raheem talked about his conversations with Pochettino, it was very simple. Poch pulled them aside and said, you know basically what's going on. And Sterling told him he didn't like playing in the pocket. He liked to be out on the wings. And Pochettino said, that's exactly what I want you to do. I mean, that's what you're good at. Stay out, stay on the outsides. And when you get the ball, you put the defenders on their heels. So if he continues that, I think he'll have a pretty good season for us. Yeah, and, and not just the position. Like He also mentioned that he, doesn't, he didn't like playing with his back to the goal, in which he yeah. was put yeah. in that position a lot. So 
Um, that's another thing. But I think it's just it. It's really not fair the fact that we have had this whole conversation and we failed to bring up the fact that he did this against Luton. Okay, like yeah. we he's he did it against a group of defenders who I had never and a keeper who I'd never heard their names before in my whole life. Um, so we. It's like I, I saw so many people talk about how amazing of a performance this was and how this is a brand new Raheem Sterling. And it's like, how, how can you be so gullible when he has a performance like this against a team that's absolutely like, like no but, one's? But wouldn't you also give him credit for the fact that this is the kind of performance where it would end nil-nil because we couldn't break the low block sitting back team before? Like, I think there is a little bit of credit to go for that as well. Cause we, these are the games that we would drop time and time and time again, where we play the yeah. shit team dropping back, sitting there. And he did unlock them. And in the first half before his goal, the only guy that was shooting on goal was still Raheem Sterling. So again, I, I agree with you. I think it's a little early. Um, we kind of stepped on the toes of Kevin McGrath's comment, talking about the interview and stuff. He's saying that. You know, he brought up the point that Raheem Sterling is usually a goal scorer. I, I don't think he scored 30 goals total in 1920. He, he might have. I couldn't pull up all the competitions. But I did pull up that last season was the first time he didn't hit double-digit goals in the Premier League in over five years. So there may be a bit of truth to that. The guy gets goals. He has never been conventional. We have never seen Raheem Sterling be talked about the way that Mo Salah gets talked about. Right? You know, Eden Hazard gets talked about. But these are the goals that that keep us from breaking into the top four. If we do not beat the teams we're supposed to beat, then we're not going to go back from 12th all the way to the to the top five. So I think really, some credit needs to be given. Uh, really quickly, Kevin McGrath is actually correct. I just fact-checked it. Uh, Raheem Sterling's most successful campaign in terms of goals came with Man City in 2019-2020. He hit the back of the net 31 times in all competitions. Okay, yeah, and Premier all League tally uh, yeah. of twenty. Wow. So that's still good. That's that's beyond prolific. That's a that that's an elite goal scorer for a single season. If you if you look at it just statistically, I mean, thirty plus goals in all competitions, you're elite. Sure. So, uh, anyway, I wanted to also just go back to my original point, and Andreas, what you said, responding to that, like, you're you're hundred percent correct. I totally like forgot last season <laughs> that even when we played against the worst teams we wouldn't we wouldn't score so i i will i will give him credit because we I, i'm i'm discrediting luton but i made the same comments about other teams last year that we couldn't even fucking score on so <laughs> I'll give southampton did the double on us and they got relegated just to put that into perspective leads Wipe the floor man. with us, relegated. So yeah, last year it was awful, and and again, maybe that's why I'm like, I'm not saying Raheem is the the next coming of Jesus to to wear royal blue in West London, but like, it's something, it's something. Um, another guy that people are very quick to say is the second coming is our new striker Nico Jackson. So Nico had another very very involved performance. I don't want to say it was great because I thought he still has his little. I'm new to the Premier League mistakes, um, especially early in the match. But overall, his stats were, were pretty good. And the one that matters most is the fact that he scored. So 86% pass completion, two chances created, 
one of them being a big chance. Five shots, three of three shots on target. His other two shots were blocked on the way to goal. Uh, 100% of his dribbles completed. He took on two players. And again, he scored. He scored a striker's goal. The ball was crossed across the six-yard box, and he was there. Um, Before I get to a little nice little tidbit of history on that, I just want to point out the fact that we have been thirsty for a goal like this for three seasons now, where we've seen Kai Havertz not commit to a run in the box. And uh, less than 24 hours after we watched this match, Sam and I were watching the Arsenal game where the exact same opportunity came up. And I laughed because I was like, wow, he's still doing this. He stopped running completely. <laughs> He's the guy, man. He could have had 65 million if he knew how to make that far post run. <laughs> like, God, seriously. No commitment. Havertz, no commitment. Kai Havertz has become my new favorite player in the Premier League. Like, just because <laughs> it's so funny to hear Arsenal fans say the exact same thing that we've been saying the last three years. It's like looking in a fucking mirror. It's amazing. Yeah. But. Enough about Kai Havertz. Let's talk about the fact that yes. let's take a little trip down memory lane. August 2004, mm-hmm. a young African striker, DDA Drogba, scores his first Chelsea goal against a newly promoted side in his third Premier League start while wearing the number 15. Fast mm. forward to past Friday, August 20, 2023, Nico Jackson scores his first Chelsea goal against newly promoted side in his third Premier League start while wearing the number 15. Whoa. Listen. Whoa. That is... You tie that up with the fact that Pochettino post-match, un, like, without being told to say anything, says that Nico Jackson has the ability to become one of the Premier League's greatest forwards. Are we buying in? Are we, are we buying into that level of hype? I bought into him after the second preseason game. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking KDDA levels. I think the guy is incredible, and it's not just um, you know the offensive side of the game that impresses me. I mean, I'll leave that up to you guys to talk about, but what amazes me is the work he does off the ball um, when we are not in possession. He never gives their Five back recoveries line. in this game. Five recoveries, and the only people who had more recoveries than him uh, in the Chelsea side were Thiago Silva, Conor Gallagher, and Enzo Fernandez. So just to give you an idea, neither of our fullbacks or our other two centre-backs in Colwell and DeSassi um, had as many ball recoveries as Nico Jackson did. I mean, the guy's just a tireless worker. His engine is insane, and it's very rare that you find a centre-forward who has a great offensive profile and also a great defensive profile. You know, um, he just seems like he's the full package. And I think he's one of those players that I don't necessarily know if he's going to pop this season in terms of scoring 20 plus goals. I do think he's still young enough to where he could have a dry patch here and there. Um, But I'm I'm buying in with Pochettino's quotes. I mean, and, and based on what I've heard from all the other pundits and podcasts I've been listening to, it seems pretty unanimous that um, everybody's all in on Nico Jackson, um, you know, becoming a great player. So it's a big, big task for Armando Brogio to come back and usurp this guy and try to knock him out of this starting 11. Um, but my God, it's just so fun to watch the commitment that he plays with. It, it, it's something that we haven't had in a center forward since D, uh, since Didier Drogba, Diego Costa uh, time, you know. 
those guys were also great at pressing back lines and causing havoc. And Nico Jackson looks like he's cut from the same cloth. I just want to add, there's there's a bit more to it too. I think the the profile of Nico Jackson, and and it it sucks that I have to use the only other example I can think of is a Spurs player, but in Harry Kane and the fact that he is almost like a a playmaker of sorts. He comes in and does the role that a number ten usually does, which is to check into your to your midfielders, get the ball, and then start the attack, where he's the ball carrier looking to play somebody else through. And and I don't think there's many forwards doing that in the Premier League or, or in European football right now. I think that that adds a whole nother factor to this match because then your wingers don't have to do the creative work. And and again, maybe we will see the four two three one in full effect and, and we can really unleash the speed of someone like Mudrik because mm-hmm. you can't not uh, you can't just think that Jackson is the kind of guy that's a straight line runner and going to shoot on his own. He can give you that pass that plays somebody else in, things like that. So, yeah, it's hard not to want to buy into it all. I remember in the preseason he mentioned that he was hoping not to just be in the same path as as someone like Ed Toe and, and Drogba, but he wanted to be better. And I thought it came off extremely cocky in a negative way. But maybe there's something there. Maybe the guy is just really... He's just his trajectory started a little later than other people's and, and we cashed in on it before anybody else did. He's well liked within the squad too. That's something that we should also be pointing out on social man, media. Man's he's fluent in, in Spanish, videos. English. Yep. I don't know what, what do they speak in Senegal? French? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I'm pretty if sure. If that's the case, then this guy covers every single fucking base in the squad. He can literally have a conversation with anyone. Name yeah. somebody yeah. that doesn't. Who who doesn't speak English that's Portuguese? Oh, Tiago's fluent in French. I'm just saying that's the only that's the only language he doesn't know. Motherfucking Caicedo, my Caicedo can't say hello in English, but Nico can speak to him in Spanish. Same with Enzo. Those two are probably the hardest people to speak to, and he can communicate with them. Yeah, and I love how like all of our new signings, like they show like a clip of like Nico Jackson's the one who like FaceTimes them and welcomes <laughs> yeah. them. Like like what? Nico Jackson all of a sudden is like the the glue the guy homie. like he's been here for fucking I'm telling you we, we thought we thought it was going to be Lukaku with his seven fluent languages or whatever and here comes Nico Jackson and he's just everyone's buddy this man's telling Kaiseto that he's going to get him a career high in assists i love it i love the swagger in this yeah. team yeah good chemistry and speaking of swagger we had to talk about Malo Gusto ron mm. AKA Bone Daddy Cool, AKA Bone Daddy Deluxe, AKA Bone Daddy Supreme, mm-hmm. wants to know how important was getting El Hombre Malo? El Hombre Malo. I, El I, Hombre I still, Malo. I still call him Mucho Gusto because I like him very much. <laughs> um, I'm yeah, the one I mean, with the dad jokes, and both of you have dropped major dad jokes in this podcast. I just want to say that right yeah, now. I've been making that joke since we <laughs> since the day we signed him. Um, but I think the purchase last year, we knew what it was. It was insurance backup rotation for Reese for a very injury riddled Reese James, and thank God. We did get him because Reese James is out again, of course. Um, and all, nearly no drop-off, to be honest. Like, it, it, it's just his performance was really good. 
He's very solid defensively as well. Um, obviously provided two assists. That was uh, a great performance, and you know I think it really. It's the type of match that puts the reg the rest of the league on notice. Like, you know, they're yeah. like, "Who the hell is this guy coming in playing for Reese James?" And he has a performance like that. I think the rest of the league. I mean, I'm, I'm including the fans of other leagues uh, of other teams. They kind of know. Okay, this guy might be legit. I I think he's probably our most important signing. Um because of the reason you mentioned some with the Reese James issue, you know, none of us can sit here and say with full confidence that Reese is going to come back and, you know, be able to play another 30 plus games without getting injured. Um, so I think Malagusta is going to get a lot of playing time this season. Um, I think it's interesting that we're now in a position where we were very light at right back last year. And now we have two of the, probably the top 10 uh, young right backs in world football on the same roster. Now, um, you know, and, and and it's not a stretch to say that, you know, Malagusto's up there. I mean, he's one of the best young right backs in world football. It, Highest I challenge rated either, 19 year old when we signed him. I mean, yeah, I challenge either of you to find a better right back um, around his age bracket. It's, it's, I tried looking and I couldn't. Um, so I really like the guy. I think he has a lot of poise. I think he has a lot of swagger. Um, the fact that he played attacking mid early on in his youth career is really benefiting him, um, you know, with the possession style that we're playing. You know, he's very light on his feet. He's great at, you know, using little bursts of speed and agility to wiggle out of tight situations. Not afraid of a cute little back heel here and there. Great first touch, defensively sound. He could play a full 90 minutes. I mean, there's there's really nothing to complain about with him so far. I think the West Ham performance, you did see a little bit more of... Um, some of his deficiencies, which is normal for a 20-year-old right back. Um, but overall, this is the type of player that I fully expect to get better and better as he continues to get more playing time. And, you know, it's not to say that he's going to completely uh, keep Reese James out of this team, but I think the fact that he's playing so well and the fact that he is so developed for his young age, it will allow us to be a little bit more patient with Reese's recovery this year. I think we should completely take advantage of this situation Ride it out with Malo Gusto and just be com- just be very patient with Reese's recovery process and make sure that he's 110% before he comes back. I'm done with this 95% bullshit or 99%. Is he going to get the surgery? Is he not? I just want him to be completely healthy, do what he needs to do to get back to 100%. And then him and Malo Gusto will... I mean, that's probably the most competitive position on the pitch at the moment, if we're going to be completely honest, if Reese James is healthy, so... I'm excited. I like the guy a lot. Yeah, I, I think, again, this is an example of having smart people in your camp. I think, you know, whenever Reese started having those injuries last season, we were all said, oh, maybe we get a guy in the twilight of his career, somebody older, somebody experienced. And all these guys didn't want to be Reese James's backup. They only saw the short term of it. And they said, there's no way I'm going to get minutes playing behind. Arguably, when Reese got hurt, he's the top right back in the world. Meanwhile, Malo Gusto's agent saw it as a very opportunistic thing and said, well, we can get him on the Chelsea's first team at age 20. This guy has missed X amount of games and more games each season as he's gotten older. It and the new owners are pitching this whole youth movement 
long-term job security sort of thing. I think there's not enough props given to the guy that told Malo Gusto, this is your chance. Because as you guys both have said, for a guy who was getting scraps of minutes at Lyon and Lee Gun, he fits right in with this Chelsea team. So props to him. Great for him to get two assists this early into the season. Can't wait to see him some more. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about in this Luton match is our midfield three. All around, plenty of comments to our listeners who, who brought them up. I mean, Caicedo, Enzo, Gallagher all had fantastic matches. Uh, I want to start with just Caicedo. Played the deepest out of the three. Complete 180 from his debut. I personally thought he looked calm. Possession was clean. Passes were direct. I thought he kept things simple. Yes, it's Luton Town. I understand. But to go from a shaky cameo to a flawless 90 is nothing to to sort of just bat away. Mm-hmm. Now, he, he did look like he's more comfortable. Um, the, the thing that I liked the most um, was how safe he was with the ball. And not safe in terms of the type of passes that he was making. I mean, 97% pass completion, 60 of 62 passes completed. And if you look at him, he actually had the hockey assist for uh, Nico Jackson's goal. He's the one that played the through ball to Raheem Sterling down the line. Um, so, you know, he's getting involved in build-up play. That's something that we that's something we, we mentioned, actually, in the scouting report with him that he was really good at with Brighton. You know, he does give you a little different feel than a than a traditional DM does um, because he's progressive with his passing and he's willing to make those forward passes. So I'm excited for him. I think he's going to get better and better just like Malagusto is. Um, the thing I'd like to see him do is get on the ball a little bit more. I thought there were a lot of times where the center backs, especially Malagusto and Desasi, I mean, they would pass the ball back and forth five or six times before shifting it to the other side. And I was just thinking to myself, if Caicedo shows... Uh, shows for the ball in that little half space right in front of Tiago Silva. Maybe he can be the point man to switch play. Um, but I think those are the kind of uh, situations that are going to iron themselves out as he gets um, more experience and more playing time with the with the players on this team. So overall, it's a very good uh, full debut for him. I'm zero complaints. Wasn't the hockey assist Enzo? It wasn't Caicedo. It was Enzo. He like. Did the two no, he, touch where like he touched the he, he like you know received the ball hit it over his head and then he's he got the hockey assist on Sterling's goal he played Malagusto in and then Malagusto crossed it to Sterling so I think he still got a hockey assist yeah I think, exactly. right. yeah, I think I just he's still pointed at the wrong one that was a ridiculous bit of skill too man yeah Holy I mean smokes I, I kind of want to just get into so 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 I'll ask you this because I I can't remember off the top of my head who asked this but. They basically asked double pivot Enzo versus this new free roll Enzo. I wanted to just kind of give you the Yeah, I the think floor. it's I I like this Enzo more. I mean, he is so creative. His dribbling is amazing. He just I, I think that pushing him into this like free attacking more of an attacking role is it benefits him so much with his play style. I mean, it's he's so close to getting his first goal with us. Like, we need to like. I feel like once he scores one, it's gonna be like the breakthrough, and he's gonna finish with like maybe like eight goals, eight nine goals this season. Wow, 
I, I, I was going to take five. I, I think. Yeah, I think that's more accurate. I, I think I, I'd the, say he pushes eight to ten assists. I'm yeah, going to say eight to nine goals. <laughs> so, so my thing is that in terms of this, the way the question was phrased, double pivot versus free Enzo, I think it was always going to be a free roll as long as the right partner was signed. Because Enzo pre-signing Caicedo, pre-signing Lavia, had a conversation with Potts where he basically was assured he would play further forward. I think the whole point of, of dropping 140, 150 total in two defensive mids is to ensure that no matter what we do, whether it's a midfield three, midfield two, Enzo has that freedom. Because I, I think people think that just because the word double pivot is used, we're thinking Lampard use of Enzo, where Enzo was the only connector from defense to the next ball. And he was way too deep into uh, our own side of the pitch to to be um, what's influential in the attack. I think this is the role we're going to see Enzo no matter how we line up. I think Enzo is the one guy on this team who has no rules. And and if we think that he's already performing the way he's like the level right now is insane. I can't wait for us to be in a true four two three one, where he has even more attackers to be pinging the ball to, even more runners that can open up space for him. Because right now it's a back three, and he's got Caicedo and Gallagher attacks a little bit, but mm-hmm. even then he's got essentially five guys behind him at all times. It's going to become a thing where he's only going to have three guys behind him when we fully throw out this four two three one with flying fullbacks, and that's. That's when I think the world, like, oh, Chelsea spent so much money on Enzo. Da, 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 da. 200, the 220 mil investment between Caicedo and Enzo is the price we should have just paid for the Enzo we're going to see by the end of the season. That's how confident I am on this guy. Yeah, yeah. you definitely you can't put a player like Enzo in a box for sure. And, and, and I think... Besides Reese James, I'd argue he's 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 probably our best player. If Reese James isn't on the pitch, I'm, I'm going to say Enzo's our best player. So I think Enzo's I like our best player. Period. Yeah, yeah. You I can, think he's I, already. You there. can make that argument. Yeah, I could totally see it. How about Nkunku? We haven't seen enough. I need to see him in the Premier League. Yeah, I I, I need him to come back and hit the <laughs> ground running, and then maybe and we Kunku's can have that probably watching tape and being like, "Damn, I can't." wait because in the preseason he did not he did not have enough time with enzo in the preseason you have to remember enzo joined late and therefore he didn't play as much um so i the future is bright like again for all the memes and all the what the hell are we doing and what is our transfer business my god this midfield nothing nothing i'd change about it moving forward i i am so excited the fact that this is the core of the midfield for a while and and the last thing I just want to add, it's to to we'll have a discussion about something else regarding Gallagher, but Gallagher's three for three. So Zach, you're looking very good for getting your money, not having to mm-hmm. pay some double. Because this is, I believe, the third match in a row where Gallagher is over 90% in his past completions, and he's among the top three players recovering the ball for Chelsea. Right. And and we loaned out Andre Santos. So everything out there is saying, oh. He is he going? Is he staying? I personally think that was the nail on the coffin that this man is staying this season. Mm. But I wanted to ask you guys: Is there still a chance that an offer may be considered too good to pass up on by the time 
you know what we have four days left of the window i mean unless somebody comes in with something around 45 50 million i don't think the club is gonna is gonna offload him i think pochettino really likes him and I mean, you said it. It's, he's three for three. He's he's fitting the system and he's fitting. He's doing what Pochettino wants him to. And let's keep in mind he's playing out of position. Also, you know, you mentioned it. He does like to get higher up the pitch and he likes to join into the attack. And he's been asked to play this, you know, quote unquote double pivot role. But really, he's playing as one of the box to box mids. But he's really contributing on the defensive side of things. I don't think there's anybody in our squad who's better at attacking a 50-50 than Connor Gallagher. He goes flying into every challenge. His commitment, I mean, we talk about Nico Jackson's commitment. Connor Gallagher is pretty much identical in that sense. He could play the full 90. You talked about his past completion. I think last season was really an outlier for a lot of players. And, and that that's no exception for Connor Gallagher, too. You know, let's not forget that he was probably the only player that we couldn't say didn't try last year he was one of the triers and that's really <laughs> saying something and you know coming into this season that does seem to be his identity too but he's cleaning up his game a little bit he's not giving the ball away as much he's more positionally aware um his passing is neat and tidy he's not getting caught in possession he's not taking too many touches on the ball which was a huge problem of his last year three four five touches in the midfield and then next thing you know he's on his ass and the other team is countering. He's erased that part from his game. So I think Poch has helped him simplify his game a little bit, but also, like a lot of the other players, Raheem Sterling included, he gave him the confidence that he needed to sort of revert back to who he is and start building himself back up as a player. So I'm really happy for him. Obviously, I don't want to pay Sam double. Um, so I'm glad <laughs> that he's three for three so far. And honestly, guys, I don't really expect this to change. I think um, I think Gallagher is going to give Lavia a run for his money when he's you know when he's ready to come back into the team. And if we're being honest in terms of comparing the players, they're probably going to be asked to do the same role. So they're pretty much fighting for that same position in the team. Who's going to be the runner? Who's going to play next to Caicedo? Um, and you know, run shit in the midfield. So I'm happy for him. I I, I think it's going to continue this season and. Yeah, he might have a bad game here or there, but I think that the times of Connor Gallagher being a chicken with his head cut off are, are, are behind us, at least under this manager. Look, Zach, I'm a lawyer. You know what that means? The $40 doesn't mean much to me. I'm rooting for you, Zach. I want you to win this bet because that would mean Connor Gallagher would have a good season, and that I would want nothing more. Than to see him have a good season, so yeah. man just flexes you... salary on air. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's move on. Luton was fantastic. Let's hope we can we can keep it going. Uh, real quick, we don't know shit about AFC Wimbledon. We just know that we play them this Wednesday. We're still trying to figure out if we're even going to get to watch the match because nothing so far on the U.S. side of things has shown us a channel or a way to watch. We're sure something will come up in the next 24 hours or so. So let's keep it simple. Sam, what is one thing you want to see? It can be player. It can be a, a, a tactics thing. What is one thing you want to see in the Wednesday match? Ian Motson starting at left wing. I want to see Le it. Left wing, not left back. Mind no. you, Kukurea might be gone by then. I don't care. Well... At, at this point, I don't even want to get rid of Kukurea. I want to see Ian Motson play left wing. I don't, 
I don't want him at left back anymore. <laughs> okay. Zach? That's that's my bold that's my bold claim. Uh, I want him at left back. Um I hope we get <laughs> Yeah, I'll take him at left back if, if we have to, but I, look, Matson could play in the attack and like I said earlier that I wouldn't have minded if he got the start here, but I don't know I'm not sold on the fact that he's just an out and out that he's going to be an out and out attacker for us. I think I'm going to stand by my position I said preseason about him. I think he's be the Swiss Army knife player. Um you know, kind of plugging him in where need be. But yeah, I'd like to see Matson get out there. I want to see Nani Madueke get a run out. Um, we'll probably see Nico um, take a rest. I mean, the guy puts in a lot of work off the ball. So I'll be kind of disappointed if Nico starts, to be honest. Um, I think it's a good opportunity. You know, you could get Burstow out there, get him some minutes. Um, and that midfield, Ugo Chukwu, I really like the look of him when he comes on late in games. He seems pretty safe on the ball. He seems pretty comfortable. He's absolutely massive. He looks like a center back. Um, so I'd like to see him get out there also. But other than that, it, it should be a relatively easy game. I don't think we'll see the back four. I think we're going to see another variation of this weird back three. Um, and uh, hopefully an easy win. Maybe another 3-0. So I... I do want to bring up something Fabrizio said because, Sam, you were talking about the left-wing thing. I think there's been a change of heart because I think in the within the past seven days, the stories went from Ian Motson is somebody that the club is actively trying to sell at this point. Like It's not just another loan. Like They would take a fair prize to Ian Motson is impressing in training and is appreciated by Pochettino and this and his staff. So Chelsea think it makes more sense to loan out Kukurea as long as they can get his salary covered rather than moving Matson. That that to me says that this unknown quantity to Pochettino that wasn't in his radar is proving that he can be the guy behind Chilwell, especially after we've sold Lewis Hall. We haven't seen Kukurea touch the pitch either. So just something to to think about there. But but going back to this this Wimbledon match, I don't think we'll see a back three, Zach. I don't think we've got the depth to to fill fill a whole new back three per se. To me, it's gonna be the first time we try this four, two, three, one, and then come Saturday or Sunday when we play Nottingham Forest, we might see a back three again. Uh the way I see it is who who do you like you can't you can't field three center backs right now. Who would your backup three center backs be? Chalaba's on the way out. You can't injure him just as he's coming out of a hamstring injury. Like, you, do you have any shouts apart from uh, Bashir Humphreys getting some minutes? I, I can't give you two more center backs. I think we might have lost You're that. Right. No, I, I think we just agree with you. Yeah. To, so mean, to me, I, it's a. To me, it's finally time to like we thought Luton was going to be unleash the beast moment. I think the four, two, three, the four at the back is happening. What I'm curious to see if, whether it's going to be a four, two, three, one or a four, three, three. That's mm-hmm. that's what I'm curious about. I think it's it's time we see Mudrik and Madueke at the wings. Uh, like you said, maybe it is Bursto that gets a shout because maybe Nico needs a break. Maybe, but it's also early days. Like it, there's so much can happen. My my biggest guess, or the one thing I want to see, is a true back four: two center backs, two full backs. Cut the shit with the back three. Like, give me an equal threat width wise from the right and left back. 
So that's that's the one thing that I would like to see at least. Let's uh let's get score predictions though. I'm going three nil. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with my three nil also. Let's say three one. Three one. Give uh give some credit to Wimbledon. Little Cinderella moment, give them a little hope. Yeah. Now should we just say something about Nottingham Forest just in the off chance that we can't catch the match midweek, meaning no midweek pod? Anything you guys want to add on Nottingham Forest? What what's the name of that uh that Nigerian striker that they have? Oh, um oh my god, I w- I don't want to butcher it. I haven't Dude is a it. beast. That guy is fucking built. I want you. I want you. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he has been... scored in eight straight starts for four. Oh my in god! The Premier League. Yeah, like, that guy is got, impressive. He came back into like health at the end of last season and scored in all the matches. And then he started this season. He missed the first week, and he has scored in the last two weeks. Him yeah, well, and, and the the other guy I want to bring is Morgan Gibbs White. He's yeah. their like playmaker. It's a uh, double digit assist last year. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like the James Ward-Prowse sort of thing where it's like, don't give this guy free kicks. Not the direct ones, but like the ones where he's crossing it in because Forrest has also got some big dudes. Wilfried Bali, you talked about the Nigerian striker. These are these are some big bodies they've got. So, it, What is up with, like, Nigeria has got some, like, six strikers six right strikers. now. <laughs> like, Bony, Bonyface, right, what's his name? Bonyface? Yeah, and, the uh, guy. Yeah, and obviously, um, Osiman. Osiman. They, they have a bunch of They have a bunch of strikers. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just uh, Musa. Yeah. Shout out to Nigeria. That's a yeah, scary, scary. Yeah, Nacho. That. Yeah. Our buddy. Adamala Lukman. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of Nigerian dudes, man. It's it, their attacks. A fun one. It'll be interesting yeah. to see how they line up. Um, but an AFCON for- in January. Yeah, I mean, Forrest is coming off of a huge result uh, against um, against Ar- uh, Arsenal. No, they oh, almost they, they almost beat United. They lost, they, yeah, they, they lost should United. have drawn. They got it was a weak. I thought it was a weak pen. It is what it is. They it were up two nil. United ended up winning three two. But again, two you blink and they scored twice against Man United. So, yeah. I, I don't think we have as many glaring holes as United does in terms of like funny enough, we gave them our our leader in caps in midfield and Mason Mount. He's hurt, but like even with him, like I feel like their midfield right now is a complete shambles. And the left back situation's nothing and, and Forrest uses yeah. the the flying wing backs and they've got uh Johnson who we were linked with who's almost as fast as Mudrick in terms of just straight line speed. Uh, so, I mean, come the weekend, Zach, I'm with you. It'll go back to a back three. It'll go back to the yeah. wing backs. It'll go back to just like preventing that threat. And and now again, I think the midfield three understands their roles a little bit more. And, and even Jackson and Sterling are getting their link up going. But Wednesday, give me the real 4-2-3-1. Come the weekend, we can play it safe again. <clears throat> Obviously, I'm kidding. But... I hope we like injure most of their midfielders so Andre Santos can play the rest of the season. Um, <laughs> he can't play against us, but I know the rest of the season. I mean, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, 
Yeah, obviously I'm joking about that. Uh, tongue in cheek. Tongue in cheek. In, never. Fofana, uh, Gallagher goes player. pleads up on Fofana and Enzo <laughs> punches Ndidi in the jaw, and the next mm. thing we know, it's uh, Santos start every week. Exactly. I mean, well, let's let's not forget the window's going to close before uh, the Forest match, so Brennan Johnson should be gone if all the rumors to Spurs. are Spurs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so, there's an who? Yeah. But I mean, they're not short of attackers. I mean, I'm just looking at their squad right now. I mean, they signed Alonga over the summer so they could plug him in. Um, yeah, they have you would think that he's the winger that I mean, comes on. Yeah, I mean, that's what you would assume. So. I don't know. I mean, they're there. Listen, their attack isn't going to be threatening enough to put two or three past us. Uh, hopefully not. I mean, if you watch the United game, they they gifted the first one. Uh, Awanini's goal. Um, but I, I think it's going to be a difficult game. Um, I think they're going to be the type of team that's going to try and nick one on a set piece and, you know, maybe rely on their height. I mean, they do have a bunch of big bodies, especially, you know, midfield and the back three. Um, and maybe we'll see a Academy graduate Ola Aina. Who's actually on Nottingham Forest, interestingly hey, enough. Former Premier League champion Ola Aina. Put yeah. some respect on his name. Part of the part of the original OG Cobham breakthroughs under Conte. So anywho, score predictions for Nottingham Forest just in case, or what are we thinking? I think Another we keep a points? clean sheet. I think we go I think we go two 0 uh, I'm gonna two I'm gonna stick with this clean sheet run. Two one. We win. I'll say 3-1. I think we're better than United at the moment. And Awoni is going to score on us because that's what he does when he starts. But, guys, I think that wraps up a good pod. I mean, we love we love a 3-0 win going into the weekend. It'll be interesting to see how Poch approaches the Carabao Cup in a season without Europe. So hopefully we can watch it and discuss it a little bit midweek. But one more match before the the dreaded international break. But until then, guys, keep the blue flag flying high.